You're listening to Humans in Tech. Our podcast explores today's most transformative technology and the trends of tomorrow, bringing together the brightest minds in and outside of our industry. We unpack what's new in physical access, identity verification, cybersecurity, and IoT ecosystems. We reach beyond the physical world, discuss our digital transformation as a species, and dive into the emerging digital experience. Join us on our journey as we discover just how connected the future will be and how we will fit into that picture. Your host is Lee Dow, VP of Global Marketing at Identive. Thank you for tuning in today. Today we're welcoming Hermance Matsosa. She's a multilingual speaker, English, French, and Spanish, and is a global strategic intercultural connector, a DEIA consultant, speaker, and global executive leadership coach. Hermance has 20 plus years of experience working with and supporting leaders in global agencies and businesses to create diverse, inclusive, equitable, accessible, and safe spaces that vitalize a culture of genuine respect, belonging, collaboration, and personal organizational growth. Wow. Hermance, it's so nice to have you on our Humans in Tech podcast. We really like to cover all aspects of the industry, including DEIA and how it pertains to recruitment and cybersecurity. So we're so really excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. Well, it's such an important topic uh, in recruitment, particularly in cybersecurity, because we um, we really do need to do a much better job of um, you know, bringing different voices to the table in this industry. Um, and DEIA is actually a relatively new way of thinking about what shapes a model workplace and the efforts to lean into human-centric nature of what we do. Why is the topic so important? Well, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility is important not only because it directly affects each one of us, regardless of where we are in the world, but it allows for conversations about one's own sense of identity and how they choose to show up in the workplace, how they choose to identify themselves and how they genuinely want to live their lives. It forces us to have conversations, what I call brave conversations about the uniqueness that exists within each one of us, the um, the differences, as well as how we can come together being as different as may be or as similar and actually work together. So DEIA now in the workplace is essential because it allows us to not only come together as colleagues, right, but it allows us to come in as our authentic selves in order to innovate and to enhance and to drive the missions that uh, we've been hired to do. One of your beliefs is a South African philosophy of human connectedness called Ubuntu. I am who I am because we all are. Tell us how you apply that to business. So Ubuntu is a beautiful South African philosophy of human interconnectedness. This idea that if we first see each other, value each other, recognize that we are each individuals, but together we are powerful and strong and can really lend ourselves to solving some of the world's most crucial problems, right? This philosophy, once embedded in an organization, not only allows 
all members of this organ of the organization to see each other as equals, to see each other as individuals who are all there, who are there to be able to contribute to the overall mission, who are bringing their best selves to the job in order to do what they do love and do best. But one crucial part about this philosophy is about connectedness. It allows us to connect with others in order to be better, to advance, to innovate. And so having said that, when I work with individuals, I tell them, let's start at the Mbutu, with Mbutu. Let's start with this idea that I see you and I am only as great, as valuable as my colleague, right? I bring in something that will help enhance the whole. So it's a holistic approach that I really encourage all organizations to embrace. I really can relate to that philosophy um, about you know the connectedness part of it um, because anybody who's been in a great team environment you know, really understands that even when there's conflict, if it's managed properly and respectfully, it often delivers a much better product or solution. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Thing that we often forget is that regardless if um, individuals are working in an organization that they may not be happy with, relationships are built. People work with, come to work and want to be embraced, want to have a sense of com- community within their organization, right? We, you know, a lot of times people say we're a family. I wouldn't even say so much family is the term, but more community. People want to feel as though they belong. Mm-hmm. And in order to feel that way, they have to connect with other people, right? And so this idea of connecting in order to, to better be better selves and be better employees and it is crucial. You have to know who you're working with and you have to better yet appreciate them and value them in order for both of you to be able to do the good work that you've been hired to do. Well, I learned very early in my career, I think um, I really, I had a need to be right. And somewhere in maturing, I I learned, I, I actually just had a need to be heard. Um, and that that really uh, is part of having a sense of community, right? Is having a safe safe space, right? Where you feel like your voice matters um, and you can, um, you know, be heard. Yeah, definitely, definitely. People, uh, we all wanna be heard, seen, valued, respected, and seen as a contrib- someone who contributes to the success of, Uh, of the world, of the organization, to resolving the problems that exist. We all want that to feel good and know that people feel good about who we are, right? right? And when it comes to DEI, not only do we want people to value what we do, but value our authentic selves, who we are and who we decide to be and how we decide to show up. That's also very, very important. So switching gears a little bit, um, we actually recently won a Fast Company Design uh, Innovation Award for an accessible product um, and making a, a product more accessible. Uh, and so it's, it's really something that you know, we're very invested in, and it's worthwhile to note the importance of that A, right, in DEIA. 
And um, just about a year ago in June 25th of 2021, President Biden signed an executive order, uh, 14035, called Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Accessibility in the Federal Workplace. The executive order is really monumental for the disability community and the federal government. Um, And the White House fact sheet really lays out some important components. The first one is that it directs the government to become a model employer for individuals with disabilities, um, which as massive as the federal workforce is, that's a really big deal. Um, Second, it really includes language to ensure that the federal government is fully accessible and that employees know their rights to request reasonable accommodations. So first of all, you know, what are your thoughts on this executive order? It is a wonderful start. It's a great start. And not this executive order says many things. First, it says that we see you, we hear you, we've heard you, and we acknowledge the fact that this is something that should have existed before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and But we are willing to do this now in order to make your lives better in your workplace. And so this recognition by our government allows us to go beyond the diversity, equity, and inclusion as, as a lot of us understand it, a lot of people understand it, right? It, it, It says that accessibility is not just something that is part of a particular race, a particular gender, a particular uh, culture or nationality. We all, when it comes to accessibility, it is something that regardless of who you are, you need to have accommodations that allow you to better do your job. So it's not just about, because the thing is, we also need to understand that there, are, when it comes to diversity, there are so many dimensions to diversity. And oftentimes we hear about the, you know, race and gender and sexuality, but there's so much more, you know, there's neurological um, diversity, there's uh, cultural, there's uh, um, linguistic, and there's also abilities. And so this executive order speaks to that. It speaks to the idea that those individuals who have disabilities, it be physical or it be neurological or it be a f- seen or unseen can can come to work and be valued and contribute in a way that allows them to do so with their disability and so it it is a i was very happy when this executive order came out and as i said it's a start now it's really up to these federal agencies to really not only buy into it, because it it seems like a mandate, but we all know that a lot of agencies themselves often find ways to not fulfill the mandate. So Um, how do you, I'm sorry, I was just gonna say, so in instances like that, or, or, or not just instances where companies are asking you, you know, how do you work with organizations and companies to make sure that they, they do put that focus on such an important initiative? Well, the first thing that I do is work with leaders, right? Uh, to get them to un- first embrace, understand what diversity, equity, and accessibility is, and understand the dimensions, as I said, of 
diversity and accessibility being one of those because they have to own it first, right? They have to own it. And then there has to be a sense of accountability. So I'm a leader, I'm accountable for my teams, I'm accountable for these programs and the success of these programs. Uh, and I need to make sure that the people that I lead understand that I have embraced this mandate, that I have, I understand the importance of it. So it's really working with those leaders first. And that, and that means sometimes getting them to realize their own biases, right? Mm -hmm. And understanding the, the importance of centering, right? The work that they do and centering their, even their language, right? So that it's inclusive of everyone in their policies, in their uh, you know, down to emails, how you're, the emails that you're writing, what language are you using? Are you excluding individuals out? I also work a lot with leaders on empathy <laughs> and communication because it's important for them to understand that everyone has a story and everyone's story if is true to them. And just because you may not be able to relate to their story, to relate to their experiences, does not mean it is not true and therefore should not be addressed. And therefore, you should advocate for them to, to have the accommodations or services that they need, right? And so getting leaders to understand these principles of DEI, right? Bias and you know empathy and you know having accountability is where I start. I think that um, you touched on a lot of things there too, like the just the unconscious bias that people even have where, you know, like like you talked about just phrases or words or things that they use that they, they just don't even realize, you know, um, maybe things have changed. <laughs> you, <laughs> you can't speak that way anymore. Um, but uh, but it's, it's not something that someone's doing maliciously or anything like that. It's just that they don't know what they don't know. Right. And and oftentimes I find that um, leaders really and just individuals relate to people based on what is comfortable to them mm -hmm. and what they know and assuming that everyone feels the same way or everyone is going through the similar experience. And so it's being able to break down the um, that mindset and you know, I share with people that two things can be opposing and still be right. That's great. I love that. I love and that. So, you know, it's important to start. And then with with those individuals who are part of these organizations where they don't feel like they can engage or can speak up about their needs, it's about also helping to create those psychologically safe spaces. So how can leaders not only be inclusive, but create psychologically safe spaces so people can come to them and say, "These are this is what I need. This is what I'm seeing. This is how I want to advocate for someone else. The, this is the direction I feel like our organization needs to go in order to be more inclusive. Because if that psychologically safe workplace is not in place, if people don't feel comfortable speaking up in meetings, it doesn't matter how inclusive a leader wants to be. Mm -hmm. No one's going to speak up, right? Right. And and talk about their needs and talk about inclusion and diversity and equity and 
and accessibility and everything else that the organizational um, challenges. So the one of the first things that a leader needs to do or is create that safe space where people can not only show up and be themselves, but speak up, uh, speak up for themselves in order to, you know, help the organization grow. Well, in keeping with that, what are some of the main DEIA operating principles? I know you work with a lot of global executives and CEOs who are trying to meet the needs of their workforce. They're trying to recruit global talent and create that really culturally inclusive and equitable work environment. So what are those operating principles? And then how do you work with them to address the biggest challenges in implementing those principles? Right. So one of the key operating principles uh, is hiring without discrimination and bias. So that means working with HR (laughs) and, uh, well, leaders as well as HR to get them to understand that sometimes the the way they go about hiring, even if their goal is to diversify uh, their organization, has a lot of bias and discrimination practices within it. So getting them to understand that. Also get um, closing the wage gap that exists, not only gender, but also their geo, their ethnic uh, gender gaps, racial, geographic, depending on uh, um, where an individual comes from, how they identify. Sometimes that can affect their pay, right? right. And how much they were offered in the beginning. And so, and then also, um, bringing in diverse people and at the C-suite level, at the leadership level, right? Understanding that when you have leadership that is diverse, not only racially, gender, ethnic, but you're bringing in a diverse mindset, diverse leadership styles that all can, that the whole organization can benefit from, right? And so those are the key principles that I I start off with with leaders and getting them to uh, and help them implement within their organization this creation this idea that you know HR needs to be uh, culturally competent when hiring right and what does that look like how are they how can they be free of bias right that unconscious it be conscious or not how can they go about closing the wage gap that exists within organ- their organization? And sometimes that means also looking at uh, at past policies, right? And seeing if looking at past policies, looking at complaints, right? And really addressing them and looking at them with a DEI a lens, as opposed to uh, looking at these complaints as though just, you know, individuals within the organizations who are disgruntled, right? Mm-hmm. Really looking at it as what could, what happened, what could we have done better, right? And being accountable, holding themselves accountable for not only um, themselves, but their, their employees, the organization as a whole, their brand and the image that they put out to the to the world, right? And um, and let that image be in sync with the the image that the the staff themselves or the employees themselves have internally of the organization. Because a lot of times, 
there's a discrepancy between the image that's put out and the image that actually exists within the organization. And then last, I would say also is that this idea of values. So understanding our values as an organization and making them human-centered, right? And so that they really drive equity, respect, and belonging and inclusion within the organization. I understand that you've worked with uh, some really incredible organizations uh, like the CDC and the Peace Corp. Actually, um, one of my children uh, had had thought about potentially, you know, going into the Peace Corps um, rather than going straight to grad school. So I learned a little bit about the process um, through her. Uh, but what was that like? And what did you learn from those experiences that you can apply to other organizations? Wow. Um, the Peace Corps is, is still it's some I hold dearly, right? It's true to my heart because I, I was like, my father was actually a Peace Corps volunteer. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so it's just something that, you know, is in my family. I have cousins who joined the Peace Corps. I'm always encouraging. And right now I'm trying to get my younger brother to join the Peace Corps. And why do I love the Peace Corps so much is because it allowed me as a, you know, a, at the time I was uh, 19 years old, it allowed me to not only leave the comfort of my home, my community, the United States, but allowed me to go somewhere else where I had to learn the importance of being open to other people, being open to other cultures. When you probably and, thought you already were. Exactly, exactly. I surely did. But once I got there, I realized, you know, this world has so much more than I ever could have imagined if I was when I when I was in the United States among my in my comfort zone. Yeah, right? I always wish that more Americans traveled more because if you experience people's food and music and arts and and the culture, you have just such a better understanding of each other. Yeah, and not only that, you are forced to rely on people that you may have never ever spoken to oh, so if very you were true. in the United States. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're forced to come together and really practice th this philosophy of Mbutu, where you see people, you res you learn to respect people, value people in order to solve problems. And that is what it Peace Corps has taught me and I'm sure has taught other people. And then while you're in another country, you are forced in so many ways to define who you are. Oh, interesting. Right? In ways that sometimes are very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but you're, you, you are continuously looking in, in your, looking deep into yourself and finding ways to figure out why you hold certain biases and the, the importance of getting rid of these biases. And then also in a lot of ways, why you love home so much, right? Yeah. Why you do love your community. Cause I found that in every time I travel, when I do come back, I do have varying levels of respect for my community here at home mm -hmm. because I see the differences good or bad, but it teaches me more and I'm sometimes even 
more willing to go into my community and work with other fellow Americans and in order for us to all be better and to grow. So Peace Corps has taught me all of that and all the work that I've done with global leaders um, with my uh, consulting firm, I remind them that we are all interconnected regardless of where we sit <laughs> in the world. And once we're able to realize that and embrace it, then the, the possibilities are infinite as to what problems we can solve in the world because we're continuously learning from each other. There's diversity in mindset, diversity in experiences. And individuals feel good about teaching others their culture, their sense of being, their sense of identity. And it's an exchange of just what I like to say, just exchange of um, human centeredness, humanity, an exchange of humanity that has everyone else walking away, hopefully feeling part of the collect, part of the whole part of the collective. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your beautiful spirit with us um, on this episode of Humans in Tech podcast. I think that there's just, it's so wonderful to know that there's people like you out there in the world, you know, building all that good energy. Um, so we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to share your experience with us. Oh, it has truly been a pleasure. Thank you again for the invitation. And I really uh, love the work that you're doing and the fact that you are bringing these messages to your to the world <laughs> and, uh, and allowing people to really um, see how they fit in the overall picture and what, what more they can do to solve the problems that we have here on Earth. Well, yeah. we definitely will invite people to check out your profile on LinkedIn and learn more about your consulting company. Uh, so we'll include a, a link to that in the notes for the podcast. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. And if you enjoyed thank this you. podcast, please like and subscribe. We drop new episodes every week. Eliminate the risk of data breaches, phishing, password theft, and replay attacks with hardened multi-factor authentication cybersecurity. Passwordless logins are simple and secure with Utrust FIDO2 NFC Plus security keys. Insert the device, tap the button, and get secure access. It really is that easy. Learn more at identive.com. We design powerful NFC-enabled identity solutions that seamlessly integrate into kiosks, terminals, vending machines, slot machines, betting machines, and more. Our new Utrust NFC kiosk kit features our contactless USB CCID Utrust 3523 F-Reader module, NFC antenna, and highly customizable LED array. The kit can easily support loyalty cards and digital wallets. If you're ready to add NFC to your slot machine or kiosk, speak to an expert today at identive.com. Physical security, identity verification, the IoT. The hyperconnectivity of our lives will only grow more pervasive. As technology becomes more automated and experiences more augmented, it's up to us to preserve our humanity and use new tools and trends for good. The only question is, are we up for the challenge?